This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to War Room Battleground. It's Natalie G. Winters hosting on today, Wednesday, December 20th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Merry Christmas to you all. And it was so wonderful meeting so many of you guys at AmFest, the War Room Posse. Always shows up, always turns out. We're so blessed to have such a wonderful audience. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves there. We are coming at you. I'm at least coming at you live from Los Angeles, hot off of AmFest. The event concluded yesterday, but I was actually really glad to go there, not just because we got to do a bunch of fun live shows, but I got to meet with so many grassroots types, the activist class that I don't usually have the luxury of, of getting to talk with and chat with and understand what's really going on, you know, in the room where all of it, where all this stuff is happening. And I know this audience is very anti uh, Ronna Romney McDaniel emphasis on, on Romney. You guys know Steve is always throwing down on her in his speeches, calling for Don Jr. to take her place. But there's sort of an interesting parallel track within the RNC, a similar fight going on specifically on the youth side of things. I'm sure you guys have seen the story how a bunch of people, state representatives, stepped down from the Youth Advisory Council at the RNC, but there's a lot more to the story there. And I'm so blessed and honored to bring on our next guest, someone by the name of Nico Delgado, who is an absolute patriot. It's a very rare day in the war room where I get to have a guest on who's younger than me, but it brings me so much pride and, and honor, really, to be able to do that. He's the chairman of the Arizona Teenage Republican. And Nico, before we get into what you were telling me about what's going on, sort of on the youth vote battle and how the RNC is not stepping up to the plate, if you could let the audience know a little bit just about your background, how you got involved, if you're a Trump guy, where you stand and everything, who, who are you? I'm a big Trump guy. I'm a big Kerry Lake guy. I'm a big Abe Hamaday guy. I'm 16. I was just elected as the chairman of the Arizona Teenage Republicans a few weeks ago. And, you know, I've been fighting. Um... It's, it's hard being in Arizona. It's hard seeing our state slowly fall because of fraudulent elections and Californians coming in. So that's why I'm involved to save my great state because I think we are really the tip of the spear. And if we lose Arizona, we're gonna lose our country. So a week or two ago, I'm sure, like I was saying, the audience knows about what happened at the Youth Advisory Council, the RNC. We saw some resignations. But can you give the audience a little more insight, since you are very involved in sort of the youth activism community, what sort of the broader critiques are of the youth engagement that the RNC is either doing or not doing? I think this audience maybe isn't super familiar. I actually didn't even know the RNC had a youth advisory council, which is sort of ridiculous. But what exactly is the state of affairs right now? Well, just like you said, nobody even knew there was a youth advisory council until we started attacking them. So I think that's a major, major problem, especially going into one of the most important elections in history. Uh, we need help. My biggest, uh, my biggest attack on the youth advisory council is the fact that Ronna Romney McDaniel is the one appointing all of her big donor kids 
who are paying for her big parties, paying for her makeup artists. So she rewards them by giving their kids positions on the council when they really don't know anything about winning these battleground states that we have to win. That's my largest critique of the council. They're not doing anything for us. As the chairman of the Teenage Republicans, I haven't received any help. I speak to the largest chapters for Turning Point for the college Republicans, for the young Republicans, They've never been reached out to, and we need their help. This is not something where every organization can just work on their own and we can expect to win. We all need to be coordinating. We all need the resources from the national party so we can win these youth voters. There's 41 million voters that are going to be Gen Z next year. And if we don't win them, we're going to have a very hard time winning our country back. So from what I understand, this Youth Advisory Council, which has, I think you said, about 100 members, but there are co-chairs who are directly appointed by Ronna Romney McDaniel, McDaniel. And I understand that, or at least I would surmise that their goal, like you said, should be to turn out the vote for Donald J. Trump. It seems like the RNC is a little preoccupied with hosting a sideshow to a sideshow to a sideshow debates. But you're saying you haven't heard anything from them in terms of actually the grassroots, the door knocking, that kind of stuff. But I'm curious what what they are doing. We were talking and you said the, the only accomplishments that they love to go on, of course, Fox News and brag about is that they're bringing influencers to uh, these, you know, VP. That's a, maybe a euphemistic term, but the VP debates. What's uh, what's going on? What are they actually doing? Yeah, I mean, I called out one of their co-chairs the other day, and he responded with a list of their accomplishments, and it's, they're nothing to brag about. Uh, they're really just pushing the bank your vote system that the RNC has been pushing, and the rest of the 10 accomplishments are uh, something to do with these, like you said, vice presidential debates. These are the lowest rated presidential debates in history, really. It's it's not something I would brag about bringing young people to go listen to a bunch of second, third, and fourth placers. We need them to start working with the nominee, Donald Trump. I'm just going to call him the nominee because he basically already is. We don't need to waste our time on these sideshows and waste money and resources on making sure that Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley get to spread their neocon message across the country. So to take a step back here, obviously we're focusing on the Youth Advisory Council, but I think it sort of speaks to the broader systemic issue of having Rana in charge of the RNC, whose track record is, is so abysmal. It's, it's scary for the sake of Republicans. But I, I'm just curious, from your perspective, talking to other people your age, really, you know, the people who are concerned with the youth vote, do you think that this is an issue that goes all the way to the top? In other words, is this just sort of another footnote in the very long case that we can make why Rana needs to step down from the RNC? 100%. You know, I, I am a big supporter of the resign Rana movement. I'd be happy today if she left immediately, just like Vivek said on stage at the debate. Um, I would love to see Vivek take over, to be honest. I think he would be a great chairman. But we need real leadership that's going to fight for Gen Z's vote. Because like I said, 41 million new voters, I believe 20 million of them are new just from the last election alone. We need help. This is not something that each organization can do individually. Turning Point's doing a great job. The teenage Republicans, we're trying our best. The young Republicans are trying their best. But we can't do it if we don't have real leadership at the top coordinating and helping us win. 
we seem to see these polls emerge before every election saying that, you know, the youth vote, the people in, in our age group are going to turn out, I guess, you know, you don't know if you vote, but, you know, we're going to turn out in, in droves to support uh, President Trump. I think the latest was it's a six point spread between Biden and Trump. And make no mistake, inflation, immigration, I'm sure, are moving the needle when it comes to younger voters. But it never really seems like that red wave you know, materializes, right, when at least if you look empirically at the last two or three elections. So I'm just curious, again, from your opinion, it sounds like you're on college campuses, you're on high school campuses a lot, talking to the, the youth vote. Do you think those polls are accurate? Do you think they reflect? But conversely, do you think the RNC is not doing enough to drive that momentum into young voters actually turning out on election day? Um, I, I think that we are winning with the youth um, I've seen polls left and right. Abe Hamaday sent me a poll the other day saying high school boys are turning more conservative than they ever have before. They're sick of the transgender nonsense. They're sick of the indoctrination going on in our schools. But like you said, if we don't have Ron and McDaniel helping and RNC helping get them out to vote, it doesn't matter what the polls say. It doesn't matter what they believe if they're not going out and casting their vote. It's, it's, it's going to hurt us if we don't get real leadership that actually cares about getting people out to vote. It's okay if you believe in uh, election fraud, if you can believe in the transgender nonsense, if you believe in this, that, and the other. But if you don't go and show that you believe it by casting your vote for President Trump, for Kerry Lake, for people running next year, it doesn't matter. We're going to lose our country. War Room Posse, I don't know if you guys are feeling depressed at all when you look at the news, but I think Nico is a, a bright spot. Like he said, he's just 16, and look at all that he's been able to do. It's, like I said, very cool for me to be able to have someone on who is similarly young. I think I started – actually, no, I think you take the prize from me. I was 18 when I did my first War Room hit, so I think you're the youngest guest in the War Room. Nico, if people want to follow you, stay up to date with everything you're working on, I'll, of course, have you back on. But where can people go to stay up to date, follow you, do do all the things? All of my social media platforms are Nico Delgado AZ. I'd love to have your support, and let's get Rana to resign. I love it. It's a multi-generational fight to get Ronna Romney McDaniel to resign. Nico, thank you so much for joining us. You have a good one. Thank you. Of course. Now, our next guest, we're going to pivot, go a little more on the geopolitics angle, but talking about elections nonetheless, is Dr. Bradley Thayer, of course, a good friend of the show who's always putting up expert commentary on the warroom.org website. If you go there and you go to the newsroom tab, you can find a lot of his analysis, some of my stories, I would say. Start with his stories because he always provides just wonderful analysis you won't find anywhere else, certainly not in the mainstream media. But Dr. Thayer, your new piece is Why Taiwan's 2024 Presidential Election Matters to Americans. If you want to walk us through uh, everything in the piece, I'm sure the audience would love it. Uh, sure, Natalie, it's great to join you again. Uh, the, the piece makes two major arguments. First, Taiwan matters to Americans uh, because of its importance. Its importance, first of all, is economic. The fact that Taiwan is the world's uh, chip producer and so much of what our industries depend on, of course, what our life depends on, comes from uh, processing chips that are made in uh, Taiwan. Uh, it's also a, on its own a substantial uh, economy. Secondly, it occupies uh, geostrategic real estate, and that is it's very close, uh, about 110 miles at its closest point to um, the People's Republic of China, and it can work to bottle up 
the uh, uh, the Chinese military, as well as offering important military and intelligence bases uh, for the United States and its allies. Thirdly, it matters uh, because um, in political warfare, it, it's very significant because Taiwan shows what the People's Republic should have been, what China should be, a democracy. And it would have been if the illegitimate uh, Chinese Communist Party hadn't seized power in 1949. So Taiwan's existence is a great embarrassment uh, to the Chinese Communist Party. And then lastly, it is, it's significant because it shows the ability of the U.S. and the willpower of the U.S. and its allies to stand up to the CCP's uh, aggression. And so the reports that Steve referenced uh, this morning, NBC reports about how Xi told Biden uh, that he was going to take Taiwan is particularly alarming, uh, uh, given that. And it only underscores the need to redouble our efforts to ensure that Taiwan can resist an invasion. Now, Taiwan's going to have an election on, uh, in January. It's a major election. We've got two big ones in 2024, the U.S. presidential election and the Taiwanese election. Taiwan's election matters because uh, the CCP is trying to put its thumb on the scale to ensure that uh, its favored candidate, its favored party, in this instance, the Nationalist Party, or what's called the KMT, wins over uh, the Democratic Progressive Party, or what's called the DPP. Uh, and those are the two major parties uh, really vying uh, in uh, the election. Uh, and uh, from the standpoint of the U.S. and the standpoint of an independent Taiwan, a, DT, a DPP victory uh, is far superior uh, to uh, the KMT. But I also argue that the CCP wants chaos, right? I think Lenin had that great uh, quip during the Tsar's time, the worse, the better. That is, the worse the conditions were for the Russian people, uh, under Tsar Nicholas II, the better it was for the communists and their uh, chance to uh, come to power. And from the CCP's perspective, there's something which is analogous, that they want chaos, they want doubt, uh, they want confusion uh, in uh, Taiwanese politics, which is all about preparing the battle space for the invasion that Xi Jinping essentially communicated will come uh, to Biden in that disastrous meeting in California, in the San Francisco area, uh, in uh, in November uh, of this year. Uh, so those are the major arguments of the piece, uh, and it's important for all Americans to recognize why Taiwan matters, but also why this election, uh, the uh, Taiwanese presidential election, is so significant uh, for our interests. The CCP is pushing hard uh, to coerce Taiwan uh, in, in 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 its uh, multi-staged path uh, towards conquering it, uh, and Americans have to know what's at stake and be willing to stand with uh, the Taiwanese government to resist that coercion. Well, you bring up something that I wanted to ask you about. You know, you see the headlines today that she warned Biden saying that he will unify Taiwan with China. And I know we've had a bunch of people on the show, it seems sort of like our, our thesis of, you know, geopolitics right now, we see all these bad actors, whether it's the Chinese Communist Party and an alliance with Russia, North Korea and Iran working to create these global conflicts to distract us from what's going on here at home, right? Weakness invites aggression, but I think there's something a little more nefarious, sinister and calculated 
going on. But I know that I believe it was Josh Phillips was on the show. He was talking about how the Chinese Communist Party had wanted to open. It was either three or four fronts of war. You look at Ukraine as the first. You look at what's going on in the Middle East as the second. And I think everyone is sort of, you know, guessing that Taiwan could potentially be the third. I'd maybe throw in our southern border as maybe the third. You could put Taiwan as the fourth. But I'm just curious, do, do you think that we're sort of seeing that prophecy be fulfilled? Do you think there's sort of a broader strategy here? If so, what what exactly is it? And, and how do we you know push back going into 2024? Well, to my mind, of course, there's a strategy. And that's not all uh, in terms of the list of horrors is longer. There could be something on the Korean Peninsula. North Korea is very close to China, the People's Republic. And so um, a North Korean crisis uh, with the South could occupy our attention still further. Pakistan could do something against India. Uh, to occupy China's uh, southern flank. Uh, so uh, there are additional crises that may come our way um, uh, uh, soon. Uh, uh, we need to recognize that. But no, uh, having these uh, events around the world, these crises around the world, recognizing the U.S. intelligence community and military has limited bandwidth and they can focus well uh, on some things, uh, but to be overwhelmed uh, with these crises the Red Sea, uh, the uh, the um, uh, Gaza and its consequences, the uh, Ukraine war, uh, uh, other threats and other activities around the world uh, really is uh, stretching us uh, and occupying us. And the Biden administration has been loath uh, to take the steps necessary uh, to protect Taiwan, particularly if the NBC reports are true, uh, that uh, Xi uh, conveyed to Biden uh, that uh, that the PRC is coming for uh, Taiwan, then uh, that's as clear a signal as you're going to get in terms of uh, the immediacy of the crisis over uh, Taiwan, and it compels the Biden administration to act. Biden won't. Uh, there's uh, too little done for Taiwan, and, and that suggests that maybe our allies, Australia, Japan, uh, and partners like India, uh, the Philippines, other states uh, should also in a bilateral way, take up the mantle uh, and help Taiwan if the Biden administration isn't doing uh, what it should do. Our European allies could as well. Britain, France, Germany have helped us out with freedom of navigation operations, Canada as well, and the Taiwan Straits, as well as in the South China Sea. And having more of that and having that essentially done uh, permanently uh, is really important. But as we move into a presidential campaign, U.S. presidential campaign, it's very important for the American people to know where the candidates st uh, stand, Biden administration versus uh, likely Trump uh, nomination uh, and campaign, that where uh, people stand uh, on Taiwan. And Trump, hands down, is far stronger, far more supportive of all the steps that are necessary, not only to protect Taiwan, but to cut the head off the snake, and that is to go after the CCP itself. Uh, as it is an illegitimate regime which should not uh, be in power uh, in China. So much work to be done, to be sure. Uh, but there's um, uh, going to be a very difficult, I think, in a very 2024 is going to be a very difficult uh, uh, year, uh, and 2025 likely uh, uh, as well uh, as a consequence. I'm curious, I know you were on War Room, I think about a week ago, talking about, you know, the modern day opium war, everything that's going on at the border and, and fentanyl. And it was interesting. I was reading a, reading a press release from the White House not too long ago, calling out the fentanyl crisis. I'm sure we probably shamed them over at the War Room into doing that. But they only mentioned China once. And they also never say the Chinese Communist Party, which I think is, is the biggest tell. 
But it seems like that's sort of a broader example of how this regime is just unwilling to actually go to bat to tackle the Chinese Communist Party in a substantive way. I'm just curious, from your perspective, do you think that what is motivating that, what is behind that, is just ideologically these people still sort of subscribe to the, you know, we should let China into the World Trade Organization mindset, right? Like we are going to change them, they're going to become more democratic. Or do you think it's more of the, you know, nefarious critique? In other words, the people who are making the, the decisions within the Biden regime are so compromised beyond belief. Hunter Biden is maybe a good example of that, um, but that they really couldn't even put America first or substantively counter China if they wanted to. Oh, or both. They can be related, right? <laughs> the engagement school and its perniciousness is a cancer on the American political system, which has affected politicians of both parties, sadly. Uh, Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden, uh, we could go on, uh, uh, certainly, as well as uh, politicians around the world, uh, from uh, South America to Central America, Africa, Europe, uh, uh, South Asia, um, Australia. Um, the modus operandi of the Communist Party of China was to gain influence through bribery, through business deals, through uh, so many of really the sordid mess that we're seeing uh, with the Biden family uh, and the the layers, it's, it's like Schliemann at Troy, right? You have to go through these layers of corruption and every layer leads, leads a new, uh, essentially, um, a list of discoveries uh, and, and uh, corrupt practices. So the engagement school started this, right? We got off terribly on the wrong foot with Clinton, who's recognized that he could sell uh, he could take Chinese money and sell influence, and that just metastasized through the U.S. political community as well as business media, universities, foundations, of course, as you have documented, uh, Natalie, time and time again. And what you're really seeing is the apotheosis of that with Biden. Uh, and um, uh, it's a very sad situation. So what's driving him? Yes, the legacy of the engagement school, right? That's Hydra. That's, a, that's a, essentially a Hydra-headed monster it seems every time you take a step against it, two, two more heads uh, appear. And then, of course, the avarice uh, of Biden, that Xi Jinping knows what Biden did, and Vladimir Putin knows what Biden did, right? They know where the bodies are buried. They know the degree of uh, the corrupt practices. Uh, and, of course, uh, that's very important for leverage. But that also extends beyond Biden, right, that they know where other U.S. politicians uh, and agents of influence have uh, surfaced, and that accounts for, if you will, this sluggish and almost uh, almost uh, unperturbable element to try to continue this engagement policy, to, to continue to gain trade investment in China, when the American people are demanding change in that regard. Fentanyl, the collapse of the border, fentanyl flowing in, of course, is just another symptom of that. The, the uh, young men coming in, uh, military age young men coming in from China, right, which are certainly now seems to be in the tens of thousands, uh, is another uh, alarming sign. And the Biden administration and the engagement school refused to do anything uh, about it, which is why Trump was the only American president who did. Uh, and if he were reelected, of course, in 2024, uh, then uh, there would be the possibility of making progress uh, uh, along those uh, lines. Absent it, Taiwan, the rest of the world, our allies, and the United States itself are going to be in very dire circumstances as the fruits of this, the poisonous fruits of the engagement school really now uh, uh, come to pass. 
not just fentanyl, not just these people. We don't know what they're doing uh, in our country. The coercion against Taiwan, the coercion against other uh, allies like the Philippines uh, and uh, Japan shows that the CCP is doing their utmost to put us on the back foot. And they're doing that because they're supremely weak. They know that if we push them, uh, they could fall. Uh, but the Biden administration has no desire to do that. Um, and that's a product, I think, of those the deeper cause of the engagement school, as well as the Biden administration and its families' uh, corruption and extended corruption, essentially, uh, in, the, uh, in the D.C. area more broadly. Dr. Thayer, I always love it when we have the time to talk about the Chinese Communist Party in depth and detail in the war room. It brings me back to my investigative reporting roots. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you, stay up to date with all of your commentary, where can they go to get all that? At Brad Thayer at X and then Bradley Thayer at Truth and, uh, um, and, and Getter. Merry Christmas, Natalie. Uh, great to see you again. You too. Merry Christmas. He's a must follow. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking a lot about election interference today. I'd be remiss to not bring up what's happening in Colorado, but you guys know all too well that election interference happens on another front too, and that is the biological warfare front. Look no further than COVID-19. I have a new story up, I think it was yesterday, amidst the craziness of AmFest, an exclusive, a longtime collaborator of the Wuhan Institute of Virology is now reconstructing viruses with a 60% mortality rate using the same tactics that likely spawned the COVID-19 pandemic. In other words, your taxpayer dollars are continuing to fund Dr. Ralph Barrick, that's a name you may recall, not just because researchers, including the Bat Lady over at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, have collaborated with him for years, even singling him out as a, quote, longtime collaborator. He's gone over there, spoken, spoken at conferences, lecturing on gain-of-function research. But he is now, like I said, using taxpayer dollars. He was one of Anthony Fauci's favorite researchers to toy around with different strains of coronaviruses. In some cases, I read the study paper, shows that the mortality rates were reaching up to 60%. Keep in mind, this is someone who helped obscure the true origins of COVID-19, and he continues to get taxpayer dollars to engage in this risky form of research. The, the paper itself has a very scary resemblance to a lot of his that coronavirus studies that people said maybe were the progenitor to the disease, the virus we now know. It's COVID-19. I also have another story popping on warroom.org, which has to do with the same entity, the same individual, Dr. Ralph Barrick, receiving during COVID, right after the pandemic began, $11,000 a day from Pfizer, and he never disclosed it in his scientific research papers. Talk about a conflict of interest. We'll be right back after this break. We got Paul and Gracia. We got Tom Jones from the American Accountability Foundation. Hang in, Warren Posse. We'll be right back. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. 
Now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models, and beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, PublicSQ.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com publicsq.com. EnviroCleanse just announced a huge holiday sale. Let me tell you why this is important. They're predicting another triple-demic this year, and the best way to fight a cold or flu is not to get it in the first place. That's why I got EnviroCleanse here in the war room in the Breitbart Embassy. The new science in home air purification is EnviroCleanse. The reason I love it, it was approved by the Department of Defense for use on Navy combatants as you guys know, I used to be on a Navy combatants. Now they have a limited-time holiday sale. You'll save 30%. This is a one-time good deal. So why did I choose EnviroCleanse over all the others? Because EnviroCleanse is proven to capture and destroy cold and flu viruses over other purifiers. EnviroCleanse military-grade technology wipes out bacteria, toxins, and mold that can make you sick. This is why the Navy chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. Get EnviroCleanse for your home. The viruses will take care. The viruses take down your family will be gone. Right now, you'll save 30% during their holiday sale. Plus, you get fast, free shipping. I'll repeat that. Free shipping. Visit 
ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com, and use the code Steve30 for 30% off. ekpure.com, Steve30 for 30% off. That's ekpure.com, code Steve30, ekpure.com. Take action. Use your agency. Make sure you get ahead of this before flu season hits. Do it today. Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's still Natalie G. Winters hosting. We had a little bit of difficulty getting our, our next guest up in the studio told me. I've only ever seen this issue happen also with uh, Garrett Ziegler, you guys know, of, of Marco Polo and Hunter Biden fame. So I think that means, you know, this is going to be a, a good guest if there's technical difficulties because they're, they're pulling out every stop they have to make sure he can't come on the show. It's probably also no coincidence that he's President Trump's, I think I can say this, favorite Substack writer and probably one of the most MAGA OG diehards that that I know in this movement. I'm excited to have my friend Paul Ingracia joining us today. Um, now, I, I thought you'd be the perfect person to have on to kind of walk us through your thoughts on what's going on in Colorado. So we can start there. And then I know you're just at Trump's New Hampshire rally. So we can talk about how this is going to play out in the polls, the enthusiasm. But, you know, what are your thoughts on everything going on in Colorado right now? Well, thank you very much, Natalie. Yeah, I, I don't know. We might have experienced an attack going into this broadcast <laughs> by the radical left, which is obviously trying to sabotage President Trump all across this, this country. I think here we see yet another example of how the people who always claim to be the greatest defenders of our democracy, relying on the least democratic, anti-democratic means to try to sabotage the will of 1.2 million MAGA diehard Republican Trump voters within the state of uh, Colorado by relying on extra constitutional uh, measures, which is, of course, uh, these rogue judges who are obviously trying to uh, remove Trump from the ballot. Um, the decision was interesting, given the fact that the Supreme Court in the state of Colorado is, as you may know, uh, comprised entirely of Democrats. So this was a four to three decision. Um, so it was split, even though all seven of the judges there were uh, Democrat appointees. Um, you know, Colorado's been a blue state in recent election cycles. It's been pretty uh, decidedly in, in uh, Democratic control in recent elections. So, um, you know, it's not like uh, this decision will have a major impact in terms of like the presidential level. But all that being said, um, you know, it's, it's pretty scary that judges um, feel like they can get away with uh, obviously denying and subverting the will of uh, Republican voters and really all voters in the state of Colorado uh, by taking that option off the table entirely. Um, now, this decision will automatically be appealed to the Supreme Court. We're hoping for a very swift and uh, decisive uh, decision ruling by the Supreme Court, uh, you know, soon. And I hope, you know, the Supreme Court um, makes a very sweeping ruling on this, puts an end to any allegation that uh, President Trump could be removed from the ballot because, uh, you know, he engaged in an insurrection, which is a totally bogus and ridiculous legal theory on its face. I mean, this, this amendment, the 14th Amendment, was passed, you know, in the years after the Civil War. It had a very definite meaning, and that obviously um, was, you know, for, uh, you know, the circumstances that led up to the Civil War, actual armed rebellion, rebellion against the United States government. Of course, that nowhere resembles anything that happened on January 6, 2021. Um, so I hope the Supreme Court 
um, makes that very clear in the ruling that they uh, that they uh, issue once they inevitably take up this case. And I hope they do so uh, quick because uh, this is something that cannot be tolerated um, if we're going to have a free country. You know, this is this is totally ridiculous what we're seeing here. You're always ahead of the curve when it comes to sort of debunking, I think, some of the far left activists behind these, you know, lawfare attempts. I don't even know what, what number we're on. We've got four indictments, removal from the ballot. But, you know, hey, according to The Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. That wasn't them giving us a warning. That was us. That was them telling us their strategy. Right. They want to remove Trump from the ballot despite crying about how President Trump is trying to strip all of us of our of our right to vote. Or I should say dictator Trump. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, we opened the show this morning with a pretty long package of all the people we don't usually like to play in the war room. You know, the John Bolton's of the world. But they were sort of saying what you're saying. Right. The quiet part out loud. In other words. These indictments, this ballot removal shenanigans, it's only going to help propel Trump in the polls, in the election. So that sort of makes me wonder, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this. It's so transparent at this point that it's only helping President Trump. So why are they continuing to do it? Is it just, you know, Trump derangement syndrome on steroids or is there something more nefarious going on here? Well, I think part of it is desperation. I mean, they're seeing these poll numbers. Donald Trump is absolutely surging heading into the new year. I mean, he's up by, uh, you know, it, within the New Hampshire uh, primary is up by 30 points. And that's that's the closest one. You know, in all these national polls, you see him up by 50, 60 points. In the general election poll, he's up by significant margins. I mean, uh, over Joe Biden or really any any Democrat who may uh, go against him, whether it's Joe Biden or someone else. So I think they're attempting to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And obviously nothing is sticking. Um, that's why you see, you know, all, all these um, charges being leveled against him, because they realize if they rely on the traditional constitutional democratic means, that is to say, you know, traditional voting, even with some rigging and some corruption factored into there, I, I don't think is enough um, although, obviously, we have to be very vigilant about this, but I don't think even that is enough um, for them to sabotage Trump at this point. The Trump train is doing really well. And, um, you know, he, he's cruising into 2024 and into the primary process um, uh, better than he's ever been in his entire political career, including in 2016. So, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why they're doing it. Another part of the reason I think is Republicans have really dropped the ball here. I mean, you know, you see how how well orchestrated the Democratic weaponization of the justice system is. I mean, you see these cases being brought against him in Colorado, obviously here in New York, where I am with Alvin Bragg and with Judge Ngoron and with Letitia James, obviously the D.C. case with Jack Smith and what's happening in Georgia as well. So they um, the Democrats always stick together. They're, they're really good at doing that. And whether they're getting their marching orders from Merrick Garland or Joe Biden or someone else within the deep state or, or not, they, they understand what to do even intuitively. And I think that's kind of how this uh, system is being, uh, you know, operated in, he, in the Colorado case that we're seeing. The Republicans, on the other hand, they're, they're attacking their own. They're, they're, they're focusing and wasting tons of time on, you know, expelling George Santos and, and all, all these other ridiculous things when they really should be focused on obviously the presidential election and the amount of obstacles that are still in the way to overcome, um, you know, the, the fraud and everything else that's baked into the system. Ronna McDaniel's another one. Um, you know, I, I, I believe the Republican chairman in the state of Colorado 
is now going to ask Ronna McDaniel if they could caucus in that state rather than primary, which is a good good thing, you know, over, you know, fight fire with fire and you and recognize that this is um, a political hit job against your political opponent. So use political means to counteract that. I think more Republicans have to be doing that in every state, red, whether they come from a state like New York or a state or a red state like Florida, you know, that they have to be relying on um, strong methods to counteract this left-wing push to uh, sabotage the presidential race. And I think, you know, the left recognizes that they could get away with a lot because they don't receive a lot of opposition from the Republican Party or from the RNC under Ronald McDaniel. Um, really, the only opposition they face is from Donald Trump. Desperate times obviously call for desperate measures. So I'm just curious, looking, you know, kind of long-range where do you think they're going to go next with this whole lawfare shtick? Do you think they're going to drop more indictments? Do you think they're going to try to sort of metastasize this ballot removal um, process to other states? What do you think their their next you know arrow or arrow in the quiver or tool in the tool belt is going to be to bring Trump down? Well, I think once the Supreme Court takes up this 14th Amendment case and hopefully uh, puts a very strong decision um, ruling against what these people are doing, I think that's going to go out the window. So they're going to have to rely on other, as you said, you know, lawfare uh, methods to try to remove Trump, given that, you know, the traditional Democratic methods are failing across the board. So I think you're going to see more of this, more, more of these indictments, more of these investigations, more of these ridiculous lawsuits and, and legal theories that they're kind of just pulling out of thin air to, to try to bring him down. I think you're going to see that sort of amplify and escalate, especially as uh, the primary season unfolds and especially as we begin to see um, these poll numbers uh, become validated in real time when Trump starts winning, you know, once we pass Iowa and, and New Hampshire and South Carolina, we begin, um, you know, seeing these real time victories for President Trump. So I think the desperation is going to cause them to rely on more of these methods. And we're going to see that all throughout the year. And that's why Republicans, my message to Republicans is to remain vigilant and to uh, try to counteract this by uh, by by their own political methods, because, you know, you're you the Donald Trump, unfortunately, next year, it seems like he's going to be consumed by a lot of this lawfare stuff. So Republicans have to rally behind President Trump. My message to Ron DeSantis and to Nikki Haley and to Chris Christie and really anyone who's still in the primaries to drop out, endorse Donald Trump, rally behind him. It's time to do that now and to follow Vivek Ramaswamy's lead um, in states like Colorado and say we're, we're not going to be part of this uh, process um, you know, if they're they're trying to attack the front runner like Donald Trump like this, um, you know, you cannot cooperate with these these ridiculous, uh, you know, rules being laid out by the Democrats. And, um, you know, Republicans have to finally unify as a coalition, much like the Democrats have done and um, play by the, their own playbook and kind of adopt that playbook as well and uh, ultimately rally behind Donald Trump. Before I let you go, speaking of rallies, I know you're just out in New Hampshire. I'm sure the crowd, the passion for President Trump, like you said, is hitting its peak 2016 levels. But if you just want to let the audience know, you know, if you watch the mainstream media, you think no one likes this guy anymore or we're all just crazy dictator sycophants. But, you know, boots on the ground. What do you think the people think about these indictments, the lawfare? Are they still wearing their MAGA hats? 
Well, they're still wearing their MAGA hats, and they're wearing them uh, more than ever before. I mean, this was a rally held in uh, Durham, New Hampshire, which was a deep blue uh, town within the state of New Hampshire. And, you know, he lost or he did not carry. I don't like to say he lost the state because we know that, you know, the, the corruption and the fraud in the system that, that the Democrats have been able to pull this off. But he was only... Um, you know, he only did not carry New Hampshire by 0.3 points in uh, 2016. Um, but, you know, the turnout there on uh, this past weekend was was incredible. You had thousands of people in this deep blue college town of Durham, not just from New Hampshire, but all across New England. There were a lot of people from Massachusetts there. There were a lot of people from Maine, Vermont, New York, real, Connecticut. So, you know, all of New England, which is, you know, perhaps the most blue region of the country, you know, very much um, supporting Donald Trump in the MAGA movement. It's very strong there. And people recognize the charade that is this weaponization of the justice system. People up there are experiencing the effects, the, the, the negative effects of Biden's economy, inflation. Obviously, the illegal immigration migrant crisis has affected every state, not just the southern states or not just the big cities, because we had, you know, tens of millions of people crossed through our border over the four years of uh, Biden's illegitimate presidency. So people are waking up, people recognize it. Um, people are extremely, extremely upset by how the country is doing right now under Biden. And, you know, they are desperate for Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump back in office. And a lot of that, you saw that enthusiasm there in uh, New Hampshire. You're going to see even more enthusiasm as we go into the new year. And as, as, it, as I said before, as once this primary uh, season begins to really take up steam. Well, if people want to follow you, of course, read the Substack. Where can they go to do all of that? So, Natalie, I, I could be found on Twitter, social media, Paul Ingracia. Also, my Substack page is paulingracia.substack.com. President Trump routinely uh, truths out my Substack articles, which I'm very grateful for. And um, if you want to get all the latest about, you know, the primary season, go to paulingracia.substack.com. Very well deserved. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Natalie. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We, we say that here in the war room. The other thing we say in the war room is birchgold.com slash Bannon. So you can get the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire. You got to read it. I actually met some people at AmFest who had read the book. They had their printed out copies that they had actually brought for Steve to sign, I think, which is just one of the many reasons that I love you guys, that I love the War Room Posse, but it's also why you guys have to go to Public Square so we don't have to be reliant on these big companies, these big corporations that hate you. I'm pretty sure the same ones that accused us of being insurrectionists and meddling with elections when in reality it's their candidates, it's their people, it's their political elites and ruling class who are the ones actually doing that. But I guess that's really the only thing that the left is good at, projection and accusing the enemy of what you're guilty of. I'm sure Saul Alinsky is probably very, very happy today in any day where he'd be happy rolling in his grave. It's not a good day for America. Speaking of not being a good day for America, I think that might be every day under the Biden regime when you look at what's going on at the southern border. There's a great new ad from our friends over at the American Accountability Foundation. If we can roll that clip, we'll have Tom, jo Tom Jones joining us uh, on the other side, but let's roll the ad. Illegal immigrants rush our border in record numbers. More get away than are detained. 
leaders of sanctuary cities spend billions on migrants, creating a magnet for more illegal immigration and fueling the crisis. All while Americans struggle to pay for food and housing. And what is the Biden administration doing? Closing more immigration detention facilities. Tell your member of Congress, Biden's closing of immigration facilities makes this crisis even worse. This ad really gets to the heart of it, right? It shows you that this migrant crisis is intentional. That is, I think, the word of the day, the word of the case when it comes to what's going on at the invasion on our southern border. If we have Tom Jones, the president of the American Accountability Foundation, I'd love if you could, you know, walk us through the ad a little bit. Why now? You know, what's the main takeaway? Sure. So what we wanted to do was bring attention to the immigration crisis, but beyond just what's happening at the border. And what we wanted to highlight was that this is a multifaceted approach from the Biden administration to really having an open borders policy. So the, one of the parts we wanted to highlight in this video was the fact that the Biden administration is closing detention facilities. These are not facilities that have anything wrong with them. These are where they're using legal gimmicks. They're using the COVID outbreak as a tool to close a detention facility that in Adelanto, California, just an hour and a half from Los Angeles, to close 2,000 beds and take those offline so that we can't put dangerous criminal migrants in detention facilities. Instead, what they wanna do is they wanna release these migrants into our communities and have next to no monitoring. Hey, give us a phone call, let us know where you are, is, is literally what the, the bureaucrats at the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration and Customs Enforcement wanna do. And this is just incredibly dangerous. And it's not just isolated to this one facility in California. This has happened to about 10,000 beds across the country, and they're closing facilities all over the country. California, they're closing facilities in Speaker Johnson's district. And this is really part of, of this larger deep state approach to say, look, we want to create a massive immigrants that are going to come into the country, come into our communities, push down wages, and eventually become Democrat voters. And we wanted to use this ad to, to highlight those problems to say, look, you've got these problems because we're closing detention facilities. Unless your congressman does something about it, uh, this isn't going to stop. So, Tom, I'm curious because the refrain that we're sort of hearing from the Biden regime now is, you know, oh, we're sending the National Guard. Oh, we're actually doing stuff. Of course, we forced them into doing that. It doesn't, you don't get points for caring about America if you're shamed into doing it. Um, but it seems like they're just putting those people down there to sort of be the, the welcoming committee, right, to help bust these people in even deeper into the United States. I know coming back from AmFest, it seemed like every flight coming yeah. out of Phoenix was full of illegal immigrants. They had their paperwork. It felt like I was flying out of a third world country. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the, the countrywide, you know, the, the every state is a border state mentality and mindset to this approach? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what's happening. And, you know, I saw the videos on last night. Of, uh, of folks on Delta flights that were that were being shipped across the country. Um, this is part of a larger approach. The folks that the administration are sending to the border are just kind of window dressing. What they're doing is they're not detaining these folks. They have the capability to do it, but they're closing the facilities where they can detain them. And instead they're shipping them into the interior. And what's happening is cities like New York, Chicago, other sanctuary cities are becoming overwhelmed. They don't have the ability to assimilate these migrants into their community. And it's becoming a, a huge humanitarian crisis because our administration refuses to do anything. And it's not by accident, it's not incompetence. It's an intentional effort to bring in millions of migrants 
to really overwhelm these communities and create Democratic voters going forward. Um, I, you know, look, unless there's a change in this administration, this is not going to change. This is going to be an ongoing policy, and each year we're going to see one, two million migrants coming across the border from from Latin and South America. And look, we the America just can't absorb that many migrants. So. Uh, we're trying to educate people and we're trying to get folks to call their congressmen and say, look, you need to knock it off. You need to stop closing the prisons. You need to stop having an open border. You need to stop having these folks overwhelming our city centers because we just can't handle it. Tom, I know the audience loves you. You guys are always ahead of the curve, whether it's Fauci's replacement, the southern border, the crazy trans nonsense. If people want to stay up to date with everything you're working on, follow, support you guys. I know, uh, what is it, the IRS is coming after you guys and all oh, the guys over there. Where can people go to, to do all those wonderful things? Sure, the best place to follow us is on Twitter. That's where we put out our info. And Exposing Biden is uh, is our handle on Twitter. That's the place to, to come follow us. But look, go to our webpage because that's where we're really posting a lot of this stuff, AmericanAccountabilityFoundation.com. Um, and, you know, support us, follow us, sign up for our Substack, um, and hey, maybe send us five bucks. That would be great. We love that. You should do it. They, like I said, they do wonderful work and they have the best Twitter handle. One day I'm going to get it from you guys, ex exposing Biden. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Of course. And Warren Posse, thank you so much for hanging with me. Like I said, sorry if I'm a little tired. We're coming right off of uh, AmpFest, which is a lot but I appreciate you guys hanging with me for the fourth hour of today. Steve will be back tomorrow morning. Have a good one. And of course, Merry Christmas. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. War Room Health, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.